Welcome to the Back End Business Podcast. I'm business journalist and broadcaster and prolific podcaster, Mickey Clark. <laughs> prolific something. <laughs> I'm a small business journalist, Liz Barkley, and we're talking about the music industry today. And I can tell you now, Mickey, that nobody is going to be asking for a display of our musical talent. <laughs> I can murder a song and have done in the past. <laughs> it takes about six pints. <laughs> you see, he had to get the mention of the pints in quite early on <laughs> in the podcast. Um, it's just as well then that we have three professional musicians who will set the tone for the podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about the impact of COVID and the restrictions on professional musicians. But I don't know if you saw it this morning, uh, Mickey, obviously this is Friday that we're doing this recording. Um, the predictions this morning are really gloomy. 170,000 jobs in the live music sector predicted to be lost by Christmas and mostly freelancers uh, affected by this. That's horrendous. Well, is it surprising? I don't think it is. I mean, it's what we've been saying all along, whether it's the music industry or the pub trade or restaurants. Um, if you turn off the tap at the front door, in other words, don't let any money through because you're not letting customers in, um, your businesses are going to suffer. And, well, the, you know, well, you're right about that because the sector has apparently uh, been hit by an 80% decline in revenues this year. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, when you say sort of the self-employed are affected well hasn't that been the trait of this government all the way through lockdown what what support have they given it and to coin the old song once twice three times a rescue package i mean how many goes does rishi sunak want to hit before <laughs> you've, been, you've been practicing that all night <laughs> No, no, when you're this a age, really good line. Off the top. <laughs> that was that was Simon McMaker saying that was a really good line. Um, do you think the, the Chancellor's announcement yesterday will make any difference? I, I just think if he keeps going at it, he might get it right one day. I mean, the, the, Boris Johnson says we're adapting to the crisis as it evolves. But to be honest, as a business person, if I, if I was to run a small business employing people, I wouldn't know what to go for. I mean, what, what packages would I be looking at? I would need financial help and pay precious money I haven't got to find out what is the best route for me. It's so complicated. Even the shutdown, the lockdown regulations now are so complicated. We're all doing a different thing. And now you cross the border from England into Wales. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Well, um, certainly Wales is... Uh... Looking forward to an even stricter lockdown. Uh, Declan Curry will be with us in a minute or two to see if we can make any sense of that. But, Wales is um, looking forward to Mickey Clark not arriving. <laughs> <laughs> I see the travel writer Simon Calder has already been banned. <laughs> going there. Maybe we should have him on next week to tell us what parts of the country we can travel to. That's a possible. Oh, Simon, I've never got a word in edgeways. <laughs> Simon, as, as we're yeah. just he hearing from you there, Simon, yeah. our Director of Public Affairs Policy and Communications, yeah. we've been listening to this stuff all week, changes in rules in Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, various parts of England. Have you been able to make any sense of what's going on? Well, I can tell you what's going on. I don't know whether it makes sense or sense. not. <laughs> That's a big difference. Um, but as you say, um, uh, a lot of things happening today. Wales is going down, as it's having its firebreaker lockdown starting at six o'clock tonight and it's lasting for three weeks, which for all intents and purposes is a return to the full lockdown um, uh, all all all, sh all uh, shops, leisure activities, hospitality, and tourism are closed. Uh, men's uh, hairdressers, restaurants, pubs—they are closed. Uh, people are expected to work from home, except for key workers. Um, and uh, Welsh business is really concerned because sixty-two percent of employees in Wales are employed by SMEs. And although the, the Welsh Government have put together a package of grants, which come to about 5,000 per company, um, uh, this doesn't come anywhere near what, what, what they want. So uh, full lockdown for uh, three weeks in Wales. 
uh, in Scotland. Simon, Simon, just before you go any further, yeah, how is three weeks going to be three weeks? Because we've already seen. I know you're coming on to Scotland, yeah. but we've already seen uh, Nicola Sturgeon extend the restrictions in Scotland, and then there's a new tier system coming in from the 2nd of November, and one well, looks likely to yeah. run into the other. All I can say to you, Liz, is when Boris Johnson shut down the economy in March, it was for three weeks. It lasted three months. So, you know, you pay your money, you take your chance. Ah. And also, Simon, there is news out yeah. this morning that the Welsh economy, according to the, let me get this right, the National Economic Institute for Research and Development, I probably got that wrong, I reckon it's going to cost the Welsh economy between half a billion and three quarters of a billion pounds um, before there are any benefits that accrue from mm. the post recovery. In other yes. words, if it works, yes. then the, the economy will recover. But of course, yes. no one knows that. No, no one knows it. And I mean, Welsh was Welsh has also got a lot of farming and things like that, which of course could be hit badly by Brexit. So you know, there's big issues in Wales. But their government has decided to go on this sort of hard-line approach. And I think they will be judged accordingly uh, on that one. But let me get on to Scotland, because if I don't get on, there'll be no time for anything else. Because um, Nicola Sturgeon today is to introduce her new five-tier um, uh, system of restriction, which um, is just a little bit, bit different from England, of course, because we're 3T here. She's well, we, we've only got a birthday cake, Simon. They've got a yeah. full wedding cake. Yeah, well, of course, <laughs> because they're Scotland, they're different. So they have a lower tier and an upper tier added on. And uh, These tears to your eyes. Pretty close to the Irish Republic system. Um, and this will be introduced, I believe, sometime in early November. Uh, and it means also, she has said, that it is highly unlikely that you will be able to have a normal Christmas in Scotland. Digital so, Christmas. Yeah. Digital Christmas, because uh, you're not going to be allowed to have your family really around to see you. So Central Belt continues to be locked down, restrictions on pubs, leisure facilities and household mixing. Uh, but, uh, and the police have been given powers to actually break into people's houses if they think there's more than 15 people in that house. I think that all relates back to the university situation. In Northern um, Ireland, no, I've got, I've got to get on, Liz, because if I all don't... All right, okay. <laughs> so I, was just, I was just going to say, Simon, uh, what about New Year? Because the Scots are actually more, well, more keen on the New Year than they are on Christmas. She hasn't got to that bit yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's one day at a time, sweet Jesus. Uh, in Northern Ireland, well, they've already uh, uh, put out their, uh, the lockdown proposals on the 16th of October, they're basically having a two to three week, I think it's two to three week, where all pubs, restaurants, hotels, no, guest houses are closed for a month, actually. It's not two to three weeks. Uh, and it means also that hairdressers, beauty salons, tattoo bars, whatever, cinemas, museums, they're all closed for a month. And that's not optional. That's the law, Arlene said. There are some exemptions, taxi, caravanning, music lessons, just for today, music lessons can continue. Uh, but the thing about it is, they were going to extend the furlough scheme for an extra two weeks in Northern Ireland, but I wonder what they'll do now. Richie has announced all this new stuff yesterday. And then in the English regions, well, we've heard a lot about that this week. Greater Manchester uh, being the centre of a storm, but being forced into lockdown or into tier three today joining Liverpool, Lancashire, and South Yorkshire. So that means uh, household mixing is banned. Uh, in public, it's the rule of six. Weddings are banned. Travel is very curtailed. Gyms, casinos closed, and only pubs and restaurants, only if they're serving substantial meals. Nice and, to know we're all feeding off the same hymn sheet then, isn't it? Yeah, and on the verge of going into Tier 3 next week, West Yorkshire, Leeds, North East Region and Nottingham. London is in Tier 2, but it's hovering on the brink of Tier 3. And bankruptcy. And if, if, if you want to be cheered up, our nearest neighbour, the Irish Republic, has now gone into a, a complete lockdown for the second time for six weeks. And they're basically doing this 
to try and save Christmas. So politically, the Conservatives remain still very divided over all this. And, you know, we now have got various factions. You've got the, the fight the virus faction against reopen the economy faction. But now you've got a north-south division happening as well. And uh, if you read the papers today, the shine is definitely going on for Rishi. Um, they are beginning to say, well, these are the right measures, but they're, they've come too late. He was warned in the summer by business, basically, that this was going to be the case, and he ignored it. And uh, But Rishi has cleverly pushed a lot of the money into number 10 and let number 10 decide what to do with the money. So, in fact, Boris is more likely to get the blame than Rishi. Um, yeah, I, a lot of Goldman Sachs men, doesn't it? I think, Mickey, that, I, think, I think that lends itself to another rendition of your one, yeah. two, three, whatever. <laughs> yeah. What is it? One, do it again. Do it again. Make him sing it. Make him sing it. Twice, three times a rescue package. Brilliant. <laughs> you should sell that to the sun. Yeah, but and, the next line is, and I love you. I don't like, think that's going to be sung, do you? <laughs> well, we can change that line. And just finally, I'd say it's been a pretty good week for Labour. Uh, they're, uh, you know, they're... they're um, Keir Stammer has clearly emerged as a serious contender for the Prime Minister, and he is now clearly saying what he believes in, even though it's probably more severe lockdown than the Prime Minister would agree. You have Andy Burnham, who has emerged as the King of the North, and has actually built a very strong coalition of politicians up there. And I, I was talking to some of my so-called conservative friends up there who are praising Andy to the, to the hills. And then I think uh, Shadow Chancellor Annalise Dodds made a really effective speech in Parliament yesterday. And I think she really left the PM and the Chancellor feeling very uncomfortable on the front bench. So she is beginning to emerge maybe as a serious figure. Uh, and all of this, and also they had the um, free school meals thing this week, which the government opposed. So all in all, a good week for Labour, but not maybe a good week for small businesses. Uh, well, Declan's going to tell us about that. Um, I Annalise, will, but I just... Annalise Dodds, of course, mm. uh, was on our podcast right at the beginning. And I think definitely we thought she was a serious um, contender then. So if you do want to listen to that, it's on uh, backinbusiness.org.uk. Um, Declan, I know you were going to try to dig out your old trombone. I, I fervently <laughs> hope that has not been <laughs> available. We don't, we don't want is, a musical um, rendition from you. <laughs> I wonder where those is, cheeks came from. It is lost without trace somewhere oh. between the attic and the shed and I think the town dump. Oh. Uh, but, you know, I always, I always had Mickey Mark down as a Lionel Richie fan, so I'm not yes. surprised to hear that that's yes. the, uh, the one he mentions today. Mickey, do you know, uh, you know why I ended up playing the trombone at school rather than the trumpet? Is my mouth was too big for the trumpet. <laughs> Well, no surprise there then, is there? So the music, the music teacher said, it's the trombone for you, boy. Even though I had really short arms and I couldn't get the slide all the way down to the bottom. So there was only You've a always had short arms, Declan. You have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea what a picture that has conjured up in my mind. <laughs> so, shall, shall, we, shall we talk about Rishi Mark to blow III? it, not eat it. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Rishi Mark III. So Rishi Mark III is more generous than Rishi Mark II might have been, but still a lot less generous than Rishi Mark I. So this beefed up job uh, support scheme uh, comes into effect when furlough stops at the end of this month, and it is still markedly less generous than furlough would have been. And crucially, I think, it doesn't provide help for workers who cannot be brought back to their jobs because trading is still too weak. So if you are working in a pub or a hotel or a restaurant or in the live music business and your employer they're still trading because they've not been forced to close. There are different rules for tier three in England, but they're still trading and they haven't got the money to bring you back for one day a week. Then there's nothing for you except unemployment in November. So that's going to Re start retrain, retrain. Well, yes, you could retrain to be a, 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 what, a, a, a fitter of, of, of boiler lagging uh, and various other 
uh, green energy schemes and that's a great and a useful task and a social good. Um, perhaps if you were a uh, classical guitarist or something you might think that your fingers could be put to more nimble use than the tying of lagging around a central heating uh, boiler. Um, the, the, the announcement from the, uh, the Chancellor, his third go uh, his second go at this plan, his third big announcement uh, in uh, a month now. It does make it easier for employers to bring people back part-time. The employers will have to pay a lot less. But as I say, there's no help for people who can't be brought back at all. Uh, there's a little bit, there is a bit more money than there would have been otherwise for freelancers, two tranches of grants for one for the three months from November, one for the three months uh, from February. But yet again, nothing for freelancers who offer their services to clients through their own companies, nothing for freelancers who started this year and nothing for the wealthier freelancers. These are people that, Simon, if we were talking politics, I would have thought that they were heart and soul of the Conservative Party. Nothing for them. Yeah. Declan, um, we, if, what happened? Did he just not get this? Simon, did he not get the size of the problem? Well, I wonder, the, sorry, Simon, you go first. Well, there, there, there is some commentary in the press today that he didn't get it, actually. He totally underestimated it. And in fact, the government totally uh, thought we were going to be in a more recovery position at this stage. So, um, you know, and, and if you think of the, you know, eat out to help scheme, which was his big thing, many people now are blaming that for spiking the... So, you know... Is, is Richie really um, uh, to blame for a lot of this? Maybe. But I think he's politically playing a very clever game. Yeah, that's exactly the point. This feels yeah. like a program that was devised when we yeah. were recovering rather yeah. than yeah. where we currently are, which is infections are going up. Of course, he's being squeezed on the other side by the huge amount of borrowing that the government's doing. And we had more eye-watering figures on that this week. But when an old hawk like Mervyn King turns around and says, don't worry about the debt. This is the guy who initially wouldn't bail the banks out during the credit crunch because he felt they had it coming to them. When he says, don't worry about the debt, it's far too early to say which jobs are viable or not. Spend the money and worry about it later. Then you know that we are in unusual times. Okay, we need to talk to our musicians. Horace, Horace Truebridge is General Secretary of the Musicians' Union. Uh, Jesse Murphy is a freelance musician who led the recent protest on Parliament Square. And Luke Moore is a freelance musician and composer from Liverpool. Jess, you were trying to get your elbows in there. <laughs> go, go for it I'm now. I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't, no, 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 I'm go sure, for it I'm now. Sure Luke Horace should go first. Um, no, I just, when we were talking about um, the SEISS scheme, which obviously one of the main problems is that at least 33% of people haven't been, who were self-employed, have not been able to take any money from that because they weren't eligible. But Can I just, I, hang on a minute. Can I just say that is the, that is the self-employed support scheme you're talking about? Yes, the yeah. SEISS. Okay. Yes, sorry. Yeah. So not only were, I think it was over, over 33% of people um, uh, aren't eligible for that anyway. But but I, I just wanted what I wanted to jump in and say just then was the self-employed support scheme ended in August, not October. So September and October have just been completely left out, and there's just been no mention of that whatsoever. Um, and I, that keeps happening. That that I mean, it's just obviously as one of many things. But that's what I was jumping in to say there. Uh, the other thing is um, that obviously we've been talking about. The different tiers and the fact that people, got, people businesses that have been able to open a little are going back into lockdown, all that sort of stuff. But actually, I think the events industry, the music industry and the arts sector as a whole has been in complete lockdown, tier three at least, since March and is still there. I mean, there's a few theatres just about beginning to open extremely socially distanced and they are the ones that probably have received some of the 1.57 billion because they are the big institutions that are able to afford to do that. And that is obviously brilliant, but it completely leaves out the, major, the vast majority of freelancers still, because I think there's a huge misunderstanding, possibly in government, about the fact that, say, even something like the National Theatre or um, the O2 Centre, if you see a show at the O2 Centre, nearly everyone involved in that show is actually self-employed. They're not employed by the O2 for the year, or no one's employed by the Opera House 
some, okay, so perhaps some people are, but you know, and like the National Theatre, all the all the um, the musicians you might see on stage or off stage, all the actors, all the technicians, all the backstage crew, they are all self-employed, and they are still essentially being left tongue out to dry. I mean, the, the change from twenty percent to forty percent is great; it's a, re a real help. But it's still 40% of the average musician's wage is about £23,000 a year. So it's not enough to live on. It's actually probably less than what they would get if they signed on to universal credit. So, um, you know, anyway, that's, I'm sorry, I'll let someone else speak. No, 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 I, no, 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 don't, don't worry. Just keep going. But uh, Simon and Declan, was there no mention of the self-employed yesterday? Was, was there no extension of that scheme, that self-employed? support self-employed income support scheme yesterday yeah there were uh, those grants that i that i mentioned the uh yeah. grants for the three months uh, from uh november and the three months uh, from uh, february uh, it's a uh, 40 percent if i remember correctly 40 percent of uh profits uh, of earned income before uh, the uh, crisis. So that's up to a maximum of £3,750, two payments of that amount. That was the, well, that, the big That means it's taken it, six months, nine months to put yeah, something yeah. in place for the self-employed. Yeah, and again, it excludes all the people that we've been talking about on this podcast over uh, the previous months as well. Okay. On that ground, he simply hasn't listened. Can I just come in here because I think there's yes, an endemic... Yes, Horace, Horace, yeah. um, yes, you can <laughs> come, come in and give us a big picture, will you? I will. I mean, you know, um, I think there's an endemic disease in, in the UK that um, a lot of people treat the self-employed as tax dodgers. That's what they see them as. And, and you know, second class workers. Uh, and I find it really, really insulting. Uh, the vast majority of my members are self-employed. They have got no access to the benefit, benefit system in normal times. You know, if they don't work, they can't claim like a salaried PAYE worker can. Uh, and yet there is this kind of attitude, oh, if they're self-employed, then they're, they're fiddling their tax. It's just a nonsense. They all pay their tax. They pay just as much tax as a, a PAYE person does. If there's a problem and they're not paying enough tax, then that's not their fault. That's the HMRC's fault. We should be doing something about it. it. Because if you talk to the HMRC and you say, well, this group of people want to remain self-employed uh, because they find it more convenient, is a more fleet of foot like that, uh, then they will say, well, that's fine, because they will pay just as much tax as somebody who is salaried on PAYE. So if that is the truth, then these people are not tax dodgers and they should be supported in exactly the same way as PAYE and salaried people are. The other thing I would say is this retrain thing, it's, well, I nearly swore then, okay? And I don't think I should swear on this podcast, but I am furious about it. This is, the music industry is an industry that is worth five and a half billion pounds a year to the economy. You know, what's the fishing industry worth? Uh, 1.2 billion? Uh, what's the motor trade worth? Nothing compared to the music industry. And yet we're being told that our fantastic talent has got to retrain. Well, nobody is going to come to the UK because someone's good at boiler lagging, Mickey. They're only going to come because we're good at music. That's why people come to the UK. That's a top 10 reason why tourists come to the UK, why students come and want to study in universities in the UK is because of the fantastic music. And if you lose that, you will not get it back. We were already slipping back because musicians are just not supported sufficiently in this country like they are in other European countries. We we're already slipping back. This will destroy our music industry. It will go and you will not be able to get it back. So something has to be done now to save this fantastic industry that we have for this tiny little country that we are. Horace, we set up back in business for precisely the reasons you're talking about. We felt insulted too on the behalf of freelancers and small business owners. Uh, on the point about losing our music industry, Pete Waterman actually said that on an interview the other night when he said, look, we're not gonna get, we're, it's gone now. We're not going to get the music industry back to what it was five years ago, never mind 20 years ago. Is it really that bad? Is it really that serious? Yeah, we surveyed our members and they've indicated to us that uh, over a third of them are saying they think they're going to have to leave the industry. They're going to have to leave the profession. And these are fantastic, talented people. 
you know and as i say they're, they're not just something that is part of the fabric of the uk the culture of the uk they are something that makes us uh in our international standing uh, a really fantastic place let's face it the rest of europe hates us right now and they've got every reason to but what they say is they've still got great music though well, that won't be the case soon. They'll have every reason to hate us soon because we won't have any decent music either. So are there something any has got that, to be done. Are there countries that are stepping in to fill that void left by us? Scandinavia. Like the Americans, for instance. Well, no, but I mean, look at Sweden. Sweden are, are constantly growing as a music industry. They have supported their industry really well. Um, you know, there are other countries around Europe, Germany, France, where they've looked after their musicians during this terrible crisis. Uh, and they don't have industries as anywhere near as strong as ours, but they will have. And of course, the Americans will always remain dominant. But the thing is that there just doesn't seem to be an understanding of what's being lost. It's really crucial that something is done about this. And, you know, you've got situations where musicians can't work, but because of the exemption, even in tier three uh, areas of the country that says, well, live performance can take place then they can't go to the government and say, you're stopping me from working. It's, it's a catch-22 situation. These gigs can't happen because audiences can't go to them and local authorities are saying, oh, you shouldn't be putting this on, we're in tier three. When in actual fact, live performance has an exemption in, even in tier three, but nobody's gonna go. It's not economically viable to do it. And, and so these musicians the people who work in the industry the thousands tens of thousands of people who work with the musicians have got no work and no way of claiming any money it's a terrible situation it really is it's gone beyond a crisis this is the death of our industry if something isn't done luke moore as a freelance musician and composer um how's that affected you well, uh, massively. I really just wanted to come in after what Horace had said and uh, echo that passion and, and Jess's as well. Uh, my practice is um, completely varied. I'm very lucky. I play cello. There's not many of us around, so I play strings for bands and uh, solo artists. And that's where a lot of the work comes from, is going to studios, being on stage in venues, performing with string sections and doing something a bit unusual. But my practice also includes booking events. So I run um, a programme of events at Chester Bandstand, which is stunning space in the city, if you know it. That's contract with the council. So I spent half of the summer on meetings with them about how the, uh, the restrictions affect live performance. We haven't been able to stage that. In terms of how it's affected us, it's been like an asteroid hit in the industry. It really has. It's felt like the, the dinosaurs going extinct for a lot of us. And there's been positives. It's been amazing to see organisations like the Musicians Union, Arts Council England, PRS and Help Musicians UK step up to the plate and really um, sort of fuse together to, to put a rec rescue package together. But it's been such an incredible struggle. And I just wanted to make a couple of points on, on the back of what Horace has just said and what Declan uh, and Simon mentioned earlier. Uh, my concern, um, I was actually working in banking when the credit crisis happened uh, and I remember working for a bank that got fused together with another one and then I retrained to become a musician so I've kind of done it the other way around which is fine and um, but I really worry that when we start talking about what the fishing industries were and what the motor industries were we actually start pitting working class people against each other and we start competing for that same pool of money and that doesn't give the government any um, any motivation to do anything to support us which is their first duty is to support the citizens of the country whether we voted for them or not so I try and avoid, even though the passion is there, I try and avoid direct comparison because the fishers and the motor industry, especially with Brexit, I mean, they're working really, really hard as well. I think we all need to unite um, as workers and try and get the best deal for us through collective bargaining. It's horrendous that we have to wait for three efforts at Rishi Sunak's uh, plan. I watched yesterday and worked out what my 40% was. It's not massive. Um, it's not going to help much, but it's something. Uh, but I also think we've we've missed out a carefully nuanced element of this. We get 40% uh, of our net profit, and my turnover is pretty reasonable. But once I paid all the other musicians and the portion of rent for the rooms that I use, and my phone bill, my internet, my website hosting, not really mass is left. Uh, and when you're only getting a portion of that, whereas an employee gets their top line salary, 80% uh, of that, for example, uh, it, it really is crumbs. And I think we need to. Just you were waving frantically there, Jess. 
I have loads of money going through the account and, and good months. It really is feast or famine a lot of the time. Uh, and we should have a government that supports our arts. They are amazing. And I hate the rhetoric around world beating, but this is actually the one thing I say uh, is world beating about this country is our arts and our culture. I wasn't waving actually, I was just put, put, I was putting a thumb She was up. agreeing. Yeah, I was agreeing <laughs> frantically. Um, <laughs> no, I just, I just think, um, I, I was just about that thing about the not, not, in, not liking the phrase world beating, but just, just as Horace and Luke were saying, it really, it really is one thing that this country has always done so brilliantly. And, uh, you know, and it is, I mean, I've, I don't know a single person who hasn't lost every single booking this year every single thing and I, I mostly work um, playing with, I play with ELO and Sophie Ellis Baxter mostly and we had, I was meant to be on tour now in, um, in Europe with ELO and you know that was, obviously I expected those big things to go and that you know that all that stuff got cancelled back in June or before even but I think one of the other problems is the little little gigs that I've managed to, and everyone else I know has had a similar experience. Um, say in August, we managed to get a few gigs back, like some weddings or something. Um, just, you know, when they changed the rules about number of guests in weddings overnight, then all those gigs went. Again, September, October, I started getting some gigs back. The rules changed that all those gigs got cancelled again. And I think perhaps, you know, without absolutely being aware that so many people are suffering right now, just like you said, Luke, and not wanting to in any way uh, see, sound like we think we're the only ones or anything. But I think there has been more of a sp specific effort to look at an industry, say hairdressing, and go, okay, let's make it really clear how these people can work. Like you said, Horace, you know, about, um, about being able to, the legislation does sort of say that live performance can go on, but it isn't clear. I went to my local restaurant um, during Eat Out to help out. And I thought, I, you know what, I'm just gonna say, my local Italian restaurant is really cute. And I thought, I'm just gonna offer, you know, strolling, um, strolling violin. You know, I thought I'll wear a mask. It's mostly outside, it's the summer. And they were, oh, can't possibly have that, sorry, because of COVID. And the restaurants were absolutely packed, you know, and, um, just stuff like that my brother has had to my brother's actually just emigrated now because he can't get any work he's in a he's a jazzer and he plays in a lot of small jazz venues in brighton and every single one of those venues is just closed all the places he had a regular gig because they're not gonna they're too small to get any money from from the, the thing and he's he's basically moved to france because he got a friend who um has a jazz band over there and he was actually a, more able to guarantee that he could earn some money by moving countries and so it we you know and that's just me you know and that, like i think every single person i know has a similar experience and so what i what i would say is i think the government has has, has been able to see how how it's impossible for a beauty salon as a small business to continue unless they make it really clear that if you do this this and this you are allowed to trade and they're not doing that they're not realizing that every single uh, musician is a very small business, you know, and, and like you said, Declan, in a way, surely, you know, we are like the original gig economy in a way. You sort of feel like the Conservative Party was arguing for this kind of entrepreneurship from people. You know, we're all always like getting up, going, you know, doing a session in the morning, running and doing a show in the afternoon, doing another gig in the evening, you know, getting up at five to go and play in a wedding somewhere in, you know, in, in Somerset or whatever, you know, we're all, we, like you said, like it's feast or famine. So you have to say yes to everything because the next week you might have nothing. And so they've got this vast network of people who are so good at making work for themselves. And to tell that whole group of people to retrain, it doesn't even make economic sense, I don't think. Um, and it doesn't make sense because where, what are you going to retrain to do? But Horace, um, you know, everybody's saying the government's not listening. Presumably the Musicians Union have been trying very hard to make them listen. Well, yes, um, <laughs> we have. And I've, I've appeared on select committees. Um, uh, I'm on DCMS uh, working groups. Uh, UK Music has uh, lobbied. You know, we're a member of UK Music. They've lobbied very hard. Um, the trouble is, I mean, first of all, you know, I'm not going to get a meeting with uh, Boris because uh, I'm the general secretary of a trade union. And, uh, uh, you know, the Tories aren't going to uh, open their doors to general secretaries of trade unions very often unless they have to. Um, and so, you know, yesterday I had um, one of my members ranting at me because uh, they saw that um, the head of Hospitality UK was having a meeting with Boris. 
and they were saying why the hell aren't you having a meeting with boris as if i'm sitting with my feet up and doing nothing you know well i can't get a meeting with boris i can't get a meeting with rishi either but you know we have put forward schemes the the, the key thing as as jess has said and as lucas said our members don't want to have to go cap in hand they want to work that's what they want they want to be able to work uh, and earn a living and we have suggested, for instance, you know, the two for one seats idea uh, for, for gigs, because there's a possibility that you can make um, a gig or even a musical theatre economically viable if the government was going to match like the 30% you can put in with social distancing, 30% of ticket money on top of that, we could ha have these things happen. And not only would that imp uh, uh, provide work for musicians, it would pro provide work for technicians and front of house and all the rest of it. So, you know, we have put these ideas forward, uh, but nothing happens, nothing happens at all. And we always end up uh, with, if you'll pardon my French, the arse end of the financial packages uh, because uh, the sector is self-employed. Uh, and the, the self-employed do not get held in the same regard as PAYE workers do. Uh, and that, that's, a, that's a terrible thing. It is, it's as, as somebody has already said, you know, the conservative culture is all about entrepreneurialism. Well, it's the self-employed who are the entrepreneurs. Not uh, if it costs money. Yeah, well, there we are. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's made my blood pressure go up this week is they covered in extensive detail a lot of the papers, the television, about Rishi Sunak's third attempt to put together a rescue package. Um, you know, he, he seems to go with this one-size-fits-all programme every time. And they keep saying, the Chancellor, the former Golden Sachs banker, as though it's a seal of approval. And when you read headlines that suggest that the Treasury putting pressure on him to launch a tax raid on the self-employed, how much is he going to raise from that? Common sense, not a diploma from Goldman Sachs, should tell him it's not going to work. Uh, Simon, before before Mickey has a heart attack, yes, <laughs> dealing with the Treasury and the HMRC yeah. is enough to give you a heart attack. <laughs> I mean, I I, I I wanted to just say I, I sympathise with Horace a lot, and um, as somebody who worked with freelancers in Ipsy for many years, um, I understand exactly the reaction you're getting from the Treasury. Um, uh, the Treasury does not like freelancers. They think they're tax dodgers, basically. Um, and they also um, are always concerned about the tax intake they have. And they, they think they're not getting enough tax out of people. And self-employment is a way of avoiding that tax. However, they towards their gold-plated pensions. But however, this is not just a problem with the uh, Conservative Party. And Horace, you know, the Labour Party have not been friends of freelancers over the years and um, it's very hard to get a proper political debate going on this because the Labour Party come with a lot of prejudice towards freelancers, especially from your fellow trade unionists, I must say, um, like Unite Hate Us. And um, I fear that until we get Labour talking sensibly about self-employment, freelancers, the government can do whatever it likes. If I can just briefly come back on that, I, I absolutely agree with you. And uh, I mean, I think I've had a number of conversations with Keir and uh, he's a good guy and I think he's doing his best. But, um, you know, there is this, again, this, this sort of deep-rooted um, uh, mistrust of the self-employed that exists not only in the Conservative Party but in the Labour Party and I have to say in the TUC as well. Exactly. Uh, uh, which, you know, is not helping our cause at all at the moment. No. And of course, uh, Labour, uh, the TUC and, and Co, they all look at industries like the construction industry and self-employment there and think that that's a typical picture, whereas we know something completely different. It's, you know, it can be very professional, very highly skilled, whatever. I do think Annalise Dodds doesn't have that view. I, I think she is a modern progressive woman. Uh, and there is hope, but you're right about your, the trade unions. Look, you're desperately trying to get in. Come on. Well, <laughs> I, I, I just, just wanted to say, it's great that you're having meetings, Horace, with, uh, with Keir. I do remember being bombarded uh, with a couple of emails about supporting Owen Smith when that leadership election was happening when I was a member of the MU, but that's a separate point. I, I actually came on to talk about music 
but yes. I have previously worked for um, for an accountancy firm that had a lot of CIS clients, and of course the legislation changed there, mm. and that left a lot of those high and dry. Also, I have an unusually um, deep insight into things like IR thirty five uh, legislation and people trapped by these things. Yes. These should be exactly the kind of um, clients and the kind of small businesses that flock to the Conservatives and are their voter base. Uh, they're all keeping a low profile with HMRC because they're um, just outside of that legislation. But for us freelancers, I mean, we've always been a little bit the outside, but you know, a friend of mine called Mike, he, he said back in the 80s when he was working as an actor, it was horrendous under Thatcher with everything else going on, but at least they threw money at you know youth centres and culture and let bands crack on. Alternative comedy came out of that. Uh, now it just feels quite desperate and a little bit hopeless. And it's a very, very easy way of, of changing that. We do have some benefits as freelancers, and I think we can't be, um, we can't overlook those. So my national insurance is lower than if I was working for uh, a company and in similar amounts because that's set up specifically for that. But we don't get any health. I can't take time off ill. Uh, there's no paid holidays. It does put a stress on your personal life as much as anything else. Uh, and I wonder how much is it going to cost us freelancers when NI contributions get hiked. I do my tax return usually before um, January, usually just before Christmas. And I do that with pride because it means I'm paying my bit towards the NHS, towards the roads, towards the schools and hospitals. Without being a martyr, I think it's really important uh, to have that transparency and for, for more of us to say that that's what we do. I'm really worried that I'm gonna have to pay to be self-employed uh, every month from next year onwards and have to subscribe to something really weird uh, you know, if Rishi is as good as his CV looks, um, we should have had this package back in March. I was disaster planning in February when it looked like things were happening in China. I'm a small business and one, I'm not HM government. So uh, I think I echo Horace's passion and rage now. And there we um, are. <laughs> what about Jess? Do you, Jess, you were part of the Let Music Live protests in Parliament Square in London yeah. and the Centenary Square in Birmingham. Um, that was brilliant. The TV, the TV pictures were amazing. Everybody uh, all dressed up properly <laughs> with their red masks on. And I think it was a short section of uh, well, Mars from the planets that you but, played. Yeah. Did that not make any difference? What reaction well, did you get from MPs? Well, we actually had, um, we actually had five MPs come down just who we hadn't invited who came down and offered their support and I think and a lot of them have been writing to us and saying that they are writing to Rishi Sunak and you know they've been in contact with us ever since which has been you know really wonderful I think there are I think there are a lot of people who do understand what's happening people who are just music lovers in general or, you know and, and I, but like like Horace said I think we have what we, what we keep being told is that the treasury door is locked um, you know, by um, by people who are actually in government now, and I think that, to be honest, for that reason, the fact that Rishi changed it from twenty percent to forty percent, I actually thought was quite surprising, and quite uh, possibly meant that they are that that perhaps people are listening a little bit more than I even hoped, um, and I think you know, I'm mean, basically that that event happened because. Um, I basically just I was so frustrated um, with the current situation. I just felt like me personally, I'm just sitting here with my entire life being destroyed. I've got to do something. And so I just said on Facebook, I feel like going down to Parliament Square and, and playing something outside Parliament until they hear us and see us. And I said, does anyone else feel the same? And basically three days later, 2000 people joined in on Facebook. And so, there's, you know, that was three days later. And I, and I think everyone feels the same, which is not being seen or heard or even acknowledged. But there are people, there are people in government, in government and in, in opposition who do care and are interested and echo everything we've been talking about, probably. But how we, how, and I think that's why, even though it's, it's not, all that music is about by any means it's so because it's about you know life and love and our heart you know everything but um what horace was saying about the fact that it really is make, makes so much money for the country it really it's and i think that's the only way we can really try to get through to the treasury um and sorry liz to burble on a little bit but um basically like you i think we had a much bigger reaction from the press and the public than we were ever expecting or hoping for. I was, I mean, I, it was an amazing thing because um, uh, Sinead o, um, um, 
we had basically, I won't go into all the names, but we had, we had some incredible people come on board and help with PR who normally work in classical music PR and that sort of stuff. And it was just this huge team effort. And the fact that, you know, even made the 10 o'clock news and stuff was a, an incredible surprise to us. And we felt so grateful because one thing we think we definitely have achieved is we started a conversation. Yes, Jess, I thought your, 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 your uh, demonstration was very powerful and very beautiful, by the way. And uh, it deserved to make the news. Uh, it, was, it was a great, dignified Congratulations. demonstration. But Congratulations can I just get back to the, this, why maybe some of the self-employed have obviously been doing something else? And that, oh, dogs, they have been writing to their local MPs. And I know this because I know quite a few MPs. Their, their, their mailbags have been inundated by self-employed people writing to them. And that is probably one of the most powerful things people can do. And because they're going to go to Richie and they're going to say, we are really concerned about our self-employed. So that, that is where you get the traction. So now, now what you need to do is get the Musicians Union members to write to the local MPs. Well, the Horace was, on Was that the Horace tax man ringing that. the doorbell? <laughs> Self-employed no. delivery driver. It's the delivery man. <laughs> Horace, Horace, on that point, though, um, there are other excluded as well that uh, yeah. haven't had any help. Well, let me just touch on a couple of things that people have said. First of all, we, we do communicate by email. Uh, we send out an email every day or every other day to our members with you know, links to support and advice and guidance during this terrible time. Uh, but we also, within that email, are urging them to write to their uh, MPs all the time. Um, look, what's your, what, do you, what are you thinking? What's your thinking about your prospects into the future? And one thing that you want somebody to do in order to secure that? Um, well, that's a really big question you've sprung on me there, Liz. But, um, I, I think I am optimistic, despite all of this, but only because uh, I've spent the last 10 years developing a very broad skill set. So sometimes I can jump into editing videos, organising events, uh, even some voice work. Um, so it's nice to have the diversity of that. But I've actually paid some musicians that specialise in playing violin, cello and so on, uh, to do sessions that I know we won't have until next year. So um, I've been really fortunate with some of the funding and some of the work that's come in and the SVISS and a, a bounce back loan as well from HSBC, who were great at opening that up. I've been actually able to afford with quite low overheads to pay some of the musicians. I really hope we can get back into venues and perform soon. Uh, we t I think Jess talked about um, and, and Horace covered some of the spaces uh, where you could pay for the extra seats. Well, actually, we all know realistically, we don't pay, uh, we don't play to packed out venues night in, night out. And if it's half full, it's normally all right. You've got an atmosphere. So that would be really super easy to implement. I, it strikes me we haven't heard a note in the whole time that we've been there. Can somebody warm up an instrument? Maybe oh, look. Jess, last word to you while Luke's warming up. Yes, Luke, play us out. I just, I just wanted to mention that um, we, the, the, the thing we did on the 6th was we went under the um, wonderful umbrella of We Make Events, who've been doing loads of stuff over the summer for freelancers in general. And we they have another week planned that me from everyone from Let Music Live is taking part in. Monday, we're going to have ballerinas wearing I Am oh. Fatima t-shirts. Oh. This Monday coming, um, doing an exit of Swan Lake and me and about 80 other musicians from the from the demonstration we did on the 6th are gonna play a one and a half minute excerpt of Swan Lake. It's gonna be really brilliant. I think on Tuesday, they're having comedy, Wednesday, song, Thursday, theater, that I'm also part of the invo involved in making happen. So we're gonna do a theater demo. Uh, Friday yeah. is gonna be opera. And then Saturday, uh, West End Waiting are gonna perform. And hopefully we're going to line the streets going back from Parliament Square to um, South Bank and Trafalgar Square, all socially distanced, um, to sort of just show the, show a show of solidarity and strength and just another we're here please see us sort of thing you, i'm playing or, music yes that sounds fantastic. yeah all, all organized um by okay. we can make events but they basically yeah. you know we're working with them so well, it's going to be good hopefully 
the podcast will be posted on Monday morning, just yes. before all of those. Oh, are. brilliant! Okay. So that's yeah. that. What what brilliant timing, yes. uh, Declan? That pink trombone is not for you to play. Oh, I don't know. Thank don't know. goodness. Uh, anyone anyone <laughs> listening to the podcast, anyone listening to the podcast, uh, won't be able to see what all of us can see at the moment <laughs> because we're all connected on Zoom, so we can see each other. And Luke is brandishing that's the best word that i can think of it in a menacing manner this vibrant pink trombone that looks like it could do someone a serious injury if it was deployed uh, in the wrong way so i'm i think he may be threatening uh, to use that um did he's we going want to play us out he's going to play us out let me let me give you a big picture just in terms of uh, of, of where we are in terms of the economy we're seeing that the bounce back we had from may is slowing down we are now heading into a very difficult autumn but the big game changer is going to be if the vaccines work and if they're produced and released quickly enough in the new year so paddy uh, paddy vance was talking during the week the um, uh, chief scientific officer that there may well be versions of the vaccine in use in time for christmas and if that happens then that could change the whole mood Thank you, for, thank you for giving us hope. <laughs> I'm sorry, Declan, I just don't buy it, but there you go. Well, let, me, let, me give you, let me give you the more distressing news about Christmas, which yeah. is that there may not be enough turkeys because we don't have enough skilled workers in slaughtering yeah. to be able to produce the number of turkeys that we need this year because we're no longer bringing in the number of skilled workers that we used to from Europe. Again, okay. Brexit at your Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we could be talking about this still by Christmas, so we're going to have to bring it to an end. Thank you to Horace, to yeah. Jess, uh, to Luke, who's going to play us out. Um, Mickey will be back next week talking about more issues for uh, the small uh, the small firms and the self-employed. Self-employed. Keep working. <laughs> Simon, Declan, thanks a lot. Uh, take it away, Luke. Thank you very much. I'm not going to inflict uh, trombone on anyone, uh, just a little old tune, a uh, favourite of mine. Mm -hmm.